Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Now, 35 labor unions are in a meeting to decide whether or not to declare strike following government's refusal to withdraw a directive to the ECG to charge um, a 15% value-added tax on electricity consumption. As, as we speak, the, the TUC uh, boss, Dr. Yaoba, is speaking at this particular meeting. Let's take you there live now. Electricity consumers are in they say you need to. And you know, your mabang up to 31st, say, or monkey sign. Now, so my chance here, your beba, may have the two of you. And you, your baya, may have the two of you. Now, I ask them to say, on the 13th of February, you know, Ghana Fun, you know, Kabu, may have demonstrated our regional capitals now. Ghana workers, a former, informal, public sector, private sector, in the Kabul. I think I could see Boga, Afao, Babia, 
and your thirteenth. Now you better more details, no, actually, because coming to be married route, no, they are now. Now they are tomorrow. Eighty SMR, I want eighty eighty eighty. So I buy ten percent. You better start demonstration now. Or more sign. So man, two letter man sign now. The antibia by Tuesday, thirteenth of February. And the BBNC are moving. Ghana phone now. The BTS are moving so. Now try by say, yeah, yeah, Tia, yeah, Tia, see. A man will hear my, yeah, yeah, see. So I do it, you know. The pen into a moving sign. And Tia say my one. Uh, yeah, 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 So that was uh, Dr. Yabahu, a chef for the Trade Union Congress, uh, speaking there about this whole withdrawal of the 15% uh, uh, VAT on electricity consumption. Now, they gave government an ultimatum to withdraw uh, this uh, particular provision, but that was not the case. The VAT has been implemented, and uh, they've been giving further directions. My colleague, Papani Ashley, is at this meeting, and he'll be joining us shortly with uh, some more from uh, the meeting of the TUC. We would have to understand exactly what is the direction going forward, uh, the specifics of what exactly they said. We'll be bringing that to you here on the post. But um, we know that this and other issues is what the TUC gave government uh, to address. Now, we also understand that in relation to this, some labor unions are, are striking over unpaid allowances and tier two pensions. We'll be bringing that to you also here on the show. But like I said, uh, Papani will be joining us from this meeting uh, with the decisions that has been taking there uh, so that we all know going forward what TUC intends to do because the ultimatum giving government has expired. So Papani is joining us on the line now. Papani, grateful. Um, what did TUC decide to do going forward? Uh, they haven't had a single communication from government, so they have taken the easiest decision to decide to embark on a massive demonstration across all the regions in the country mm. on the 30th of February 2024. So that is the decision that TUC have taken just now after a consultative meeting amongst its members right now at the TUC building here in Accra. Mm, interesting. So it means that on the, on the 13th of February, they are embarking on demonstrations across the country. Yes, that's what exactly they said. They will help work on the other unions, we are here from Clockstack, which is another big union at its own, mm. uh, backing this particular demonstration. Secondly, 
We have heard from the teacher unions again, Nakra, Andrew Kabonotas spoke a few minutes ago when he said, well, they back this fooling and right after the demonstration, if government doesn't say anything, it will follow with a strike action. Mm, mm. Interesting. So, 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 how many, how many groups were here, were there? And, and, I mean, you've mentioned Nagrat and Nat. You've mentioned Clocksack. Are they I the only count, ones? I, I, I can barely count anybody. Else, but everybody under the umbrella of the team mm. was here. So, Clocksack, Seu uh, um, was here. The teacher union, the Nagrat, the Nexus Association were here. I am mm. also having a representative. So, I mean, talk about any union under the team, and they were definitely at this meeting. Okay. Which means that if government does something, then this, th these demonstrations won't come off, right? Well, that's the expectation that if government gives them exactly what they want to hear, and that's not only one, government must withdraw this. If they do that, they're certainly they are willing to back down on this demonstration, which will also follow by a strike. Mm. However, they tell me that we are not interested in any conversation on dialogue. No dialogue or the world here is that government has withdrawn this particular decision. I mean, they go on to say that if they don't fight this decision, it only means that government uh, gets its leeway to not begin to tax every single thing. They just mentioned that there's a VAT that has been imposed on publishers as well. So they, they find it as a duty to make sure that they quash the VAT on electricity consumption for residential users, or else government will do more damage than what it is doing now. Mm. So we know that there will be a demonstration, and the teacher unions are also threatening a strike action. Is this strike action supposed to begin from the 13th of February or at a later date? Well, from what uh, Clark has said, this is supposed to be an action that follows right after the demonstration. So mm. it's not going to happen concurrently, mm. but this, I'm, I'm just told that from Monday, however, all members of Clark of have been directed to wear red from Monday. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, grateful to you. So that, that's, that's our colleague, Papani. So if you just joined us here, TUC uh, has announced that on the 13th of February, if government does nothing before that day about the withdrawal of the VAT on electricity consumption, uh, they will stage various demonstrations across the country. However, from Monday... Uh, their members will wear red uh, to, to signify uh, their intention uh, to, uh, uh, to demonstrate against government's imposition of a 15% VAT on electricity consumption. Now, we're being told that right after those demonstrations, uh, the teacher unions uh, will also embark on strike actions uh, to protest the imposition of the 15% VAT on electricity. Interesting times ahead. Uh, uh, of, of, of Ghana. Now, we're being told that this announcement by TUC is, is also, um, you know, uh, being given the, the needed uh, commendation by all the unions under TUC, which means that this is going to be a, a nationwide one and one that would probably uh, ground a lot of the things that government does as well. So, government should be prepared for this uh, heavy uh, demonstration and strike action by TUC uh, if it does nothing about the imposition of the 15% VAT. Now, people are expecting what will be government's reaction uh, to uh, the, the, these uh, uh, calls by TUC and 
the other unions. Now, TUC has been addressing uh, a press conference. Surely, we'll be hearing from uh, this this news conference that was addressed. Uh, so, let's uh, uh, take a quick break here. When we return, we'll bring you the particular uh, news conference that was addressed by the TUC. Stay on. This is still the pulse on the Joy News Channel. Now, the big announcement is that TUC has announced 13 February as a day it will organize massive demonstrations across the country. If government does nothing about the imposition of the 15% VAT on electricity consumption, they want government to withdraw that particular tax. Now, we'll be following uh, on that. We'll be bringing you more from this news conference where the announcement was made shortly. But... Uh, we're also keeping an eye on uh, the a news conference ongoing at the National Security Ministry about violent extremism. We'll be bringing you more on that as well here on the Pulse. Uh, in the meantime, though, a glimmer of hope for students at striking senior staff members consider bringing an end to their strike soon with an assurance from government to resolve their concerns. President of the Senior Staff Association in Public Universities tells Joy News a petition to pay their Tier 2 pensions and improve other working conditions have been received by the Finance Ministry in a meeting on Thursday. They are hopeful that the strike will end in the coming days. However, the various campuses continue to reel from the impact of the absence and that of colleagues, Teru and administrators. Now, Kenneth Jesse is at the University of Ghana once again to observe the impact it is having there. The Staff Association of Ghana, the Teachers and Educational Workers Union of TUC, and the Federation of University Senior Staff Association of Ghana have formally relayed the information of what transpired between them and government when they met yesterday to their members. So as, as we indicated to government that the only opportunity that to, the only way we can go to work is to see something properly documented. As we are speaking, there's nothing documented. So if we're asking us to go to work, we cannot even come and tell people to go to work because it's this people's life. It's people's pension. Pension is about people's life. So if government is serious to address this issue, government should come again. To when it will be based on what government we hear from government. But at the moment, we have asked government that we are still waiting for them. We are still waiting for them. So not until we hear for them, we will still be waiting for them before we resume work. We will do that, but we have not gotten there now. Because at the moment, looking at what is happening, it's about universities' problems. And you know the contribution of... Uh, has also been monitoring events at the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology. The university's library, maintenance and lecture theatres are among the affected departments on various campuses. The industrial action has affected academic activities, leaving students perturbed. National President Suleiman Abdurrahman tells Joe News a tax force has been put in place to ensure total compliance. We are going to make sure that we have tax force across all the university campuses. We have local leaders across all the public universities. So they will make sure that they put in place the tax force to make sure that they monitor for everybody to comply with the strike action. The strike is already biting hard as students are denied access to the university's library and lecture halls, which remain closed following the indefinite industrial action. We got here and we've seen that the place is locked. I didn't hear of the strike though, but as I can see, 
we are now sitting here without being able to enter. So I think the government should try intervene and meet their standards or meet their needs for them. We came to do a group discussion, but as the library as the library is locked, is it affects us so much, and we beg and plead the government to call off this strike because with the students, it affects us the most. What are you doing after here? Oh, we are now going to find some place for it because we have to submit it on Monday. So you are coming to do your group assignment? Yes. So you are group group. These are your group members. Yes, they are my group members. So where do you have to go now to study? No, no, we don't know. We don't know, but our leader was saying we have um, some room here, but we don't know. So we don't know how to, what to do right now. President of the Tewu Ghana KNUST, Charles Arthur, is happy with the impact of the strike. According to him, the management of public universities will be forced to shut down the university. So we are saying that in the near few days, the environment will not be conducive for students to attend lectures. That we do not close the university. It's the management of the university that closes the university when it has, it has become ungovernable, when, when something has happened and they think that it, it should go. But we know that withdrawing our services, you understand, will reach there. Saviour Sally Agbleke is the president of Teugana Amstead. You want them to come to hear to our concerns so that the whole balloon about the school student welfare should not be as if we are, we are our parents, you know. We cannot let our children suffer whilst we are taking charge. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes. Nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Just taking control of everywhere, everything in, in the campuses, then neglecting them on concern. You see, so we wish that the government to come to our aid, to see to whatever demands we are making, to sit down with us, then we shut things out amicably. For Joy News, Nama Bwachidankwayadom, Kumasem. Well, the University for Development Studies in Tamale is also reeling from the absence of the senior staff. Uh, lecture halls are piling up with filth. Martina Bulgari has been interacting with some of them. The strike has really affected us a lot. 
this morning when I was coming, coming up the stairs, I saw the whole place was dirty. Like my classroom right now is is no need. Like the place is dirty. We had to do some picking and sweeping ourselves. This was supposed to be that with Irene's here right now, so the whole place is messed up. The washrooms are the washrooms are not good at all. You don't even know where to when you want to use the washroom, you wouldn't even know where to go. And this is really affecting our food because we need we need to stay in a clean in a clean environment. In this environment we don't enable us to stay well because you're thinking of how this the environment is and how you're going to learn in it. He has to listen to them. He has to do something about it because it's really affecting us, you know. We have students, most of them are most of us are from far places. And we come here and like no studies is going on, the whole place that we have to do or cleaning ourselves and all that it's, it's affecting us. The time we would have used to study, you used it to clean. It's all studying. Um this track affects us in so many ways and one of them is the, the lectures are coming all right, but there's no thing going on here. All the lecturers are filthy and dirty. So when we come, we can't come and clean the classroom before we get seated because our schedule is almost, I think there's no space for that thing like that. So I think if it's cut short immediately and they come back to work, it will be better because right now when we get to our classroom, there's dirt everywhere. And since they are not coming, it's going to increase to whenever they come back and it's not going to help us in any way. So I think they should do something about that one. I think the earlier they negotiate, whatever they want, the better. Because I don't think it's mostly their fault. It's from the higher ranks. I mean, those in, in control of the nation. I think they should sit down and negotiate and do something that's going to help us out. The track is actually hitting some of us. Um, for say, I'm a national service personnel, and the tasks I've been given, a lot has been added to me because they are on track and we can abandon their work. So every day we transport ourselves to the office, we do office work, and we do our duty as well. So I would say, my personal feeling, the track is actually affecting us. So if the stakeholders or the government can step in, resolve this matter, and allow the workers or the staff to resume their duties, we will all be free, and the country will be absolutely for all of us. Sure, sure, we have people who can moderate all this, and um, while the strike is hitting part of us, um, those to moderate all this will not be there. Or if, say, I am supposed to do this and extra duty has been added onto me, I can't control all this. And so, everyone will be littered around. And actually worry about um, this. And so, government should step in and resolve this matter quickly. Then um, we'll have a peaceful environment to live. It affects us academically. Things that we were supposed to be doing as a nun has come to a stop. Uh, if you look at most of the things that we're supposed to do within the past two weeks, they are still, we are still looking forward to see when our lecturers will come back to let us continue with the uh, lectures. It has actually affected us a lot, and then we are praying that the government should do something to let them come back, and then we we'll continue with the lectures.
Well, the National Labor Commission has assured the unions of fair hearing and assistance to settle their dispute later on next week. Now, Fosua Samoa is the Executive Secretary. Let's speak to Teo Ghana, Chairman of uh, for UCC, uh, Ben Mainsa Gorman, who is joining us from the University of Cape Coast. Uh, ben, I'm grateful to you for joining us. Uh, well, we, we've been around some of the campus. We know how it's going. That there, there's been, you know, uh, the, the strike is, is in full force. But we understand that in UCC, it's quite different. How's the situation on, on, on your campus? Hello. Mr. Gorman, I can, hear, I can hear you, sir. Yes, good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. Yes, point of correction. I am Benjamin Mensah Gorman, Chairman, Teachers and Educational Workers Union of TUC, Ghana. Uh, I, th I think we said TU Ghana. Okay, but th thanks for the correction, sir. Let's move on. TU TUC, yes. Yes, the situation is the same everywhere. Mm -hmm. The situation okay. is the same everywhere. But, but, but our, our, our checks indicate that, I mean, the library in UCC is opened and, and, and some other areas where your members' man are, are still being run. But, but again, that's what I wanted to understand from you. Do you have a, a separate arrangement with the university management of UCC to try and get these centers or areas running? Yes, we declared. Ms. Mesa, try, try, uh, try and, and, and uh, listen to, to me. I, I, I think that you have, to, you have to lower the volume on your TV so that we can have this conversation. I want to find out from you, what sort of arrangement do you have with the University of Cape Coast Management uh, so that other, other areas where your members are supposed to man could 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 be uh, opened whilst your strike is still in force. Yes, when we declared the strike, mm. we said only the security and then fire service who have to, to remain at post. Mm. Uh, everything went off. Later on, the university hospital also went off. Uh, we, as a union, and then mindful of the health needs of our members. We decided that at least some skeletal staff should remain at the university hospital. Mm. And so currently the university hospital is in operation. Okay. But aside the security and then the fire service people, all activities on campus, we are on strike. Mm. Mm. Now we, we know that your your leadership have uh, has met with I mean government to try and, and resolve these issues. Um, what, what, what are you gathering from this meeting, and is there any indication of probably slowing down in, on, on this strike anytime soon? From the briefing we had yesterday, mm. I think government has shown a lot of goodwill. And so we are told uh, they have paid three months to those who are on controller payroll. For us who are not on controller payroll, but the submissions made to the government, they have paid up to October. Our leadership is saying, unless government pays all the nine months arrears, we should still remain on strike. Okay. Okay. I think government has shown a lot of goodwill. We are also willing to work. We are not a lazy folks. We are always willing to work. It is just that our future is at stake. Our retirees need to live in dignity. And so we cannot trust government to keep our money for us. Mm. So, so what... So, what what you're saying is that 
until government pays all of the remainder of your tier two, you are not calling off the strike. Exactly. Mm. It is as simple as ABCD. We have fund managers who are managing our tier two pension for us. It is not government who has to manage it for us. So they have just have to pay the money to these our, our fund managers for them to invest for uh, enhanced retirement for our retirees. Mm. Mm. We want them to move in dignity. Well, um, I mean, you're, you're, you're also calling for some allowances to be paid to you as well, right? All, all, all these allowances have been met. Like, government has uh, agreed to pay. Okay. What is most outstanding is our tier two pension, which is in arrears for nine months. And government have to pay with compound interest. Just confirm for me, earlier you said government has paid some three months of that, right? Yes, they have paid three months. To, yes, right. They have paid three months to uh, universities that are on controller payroll. Okay. With, with universities like us, UCC, per the submissions made to government, they have paid up to October. Okay. And so, this government has... Uh, make the some good word towards us, some overtures. What we want is the nine months. If it is paid today, tomorrow we will resume work. Mm. We are not happy that we have started a new academic year and then this track has to come in. But we don't have the, any choice. We don't have a choice than to resort to this track. You make that point. Yeah, so that those who are retirement can live in dignity, will get their pensions, and they live on it. Okay. They are called by the Amica. But now it is like hand-to-mouth. But, but once government has shown goodwill, like you said yourself, they paid three months uh, of, of the outstanding uh, tier two uh, payment, yeah. isn't yeah. that enough to, to get you to rescind or to call off your strike and return to the negotiation table to see what then the two that, of you that, can do together? That is what they do all the time. We cannot trust government at this stage. They should this they should find a way of paying us and we are willing to go back and work. We are not happy staying at home. We are willing to work to develop our various universities. We are willing to work. Government have to just pay us and then we are good to go. It is as simple as ABCD. We are not demanding anything extraordinary. This is ours. Just give it to us. You cannot keep our money for us. We have fund managers that will invest our monies into profitable ventures for us to get good returns. So just pay this money to our fund managers. They will invest it for us. It is simple. But what we reason has anything extraordinary? What reason has government given for its inability to pay those tier uh, two pension funds to your fund management or managers? Uh, I wasn't at the meeting yesterday, mm. but uh, those who when they said government has some challenges, and then you should give them some time. This is the only language government understands. If you don't go on strike, this money will not be paid. Government only understands strike, and so if you don't strike, this money will never be paid, mm. and then our retirees will suffer. They will, they will suffer eventually. Mm. Did, did government give, 
Did the government okay. give the specific challenge it, it, it encountered? Oh, if it is reasonable and then within the constraints of the time that we find ourselves in, if our national leadership thinks that it is feasible and then they think we have to call the strike, so be it. But that we speak, have we, have we haven't seen any, anything like that. Government has the money, it can pay. So government must pay. But if our leadership thinks otherwise and they think government has made a lot of uh, commitment and then we need to at, at least come to uh, uh, an agreement, fine. But for now, Aluta continua. Mm. Do we know ex exactly how much government is, is owing you? I mean, in terms of uh, the, the quantum? Uh, currently, I will not know. It is our fund managers who will know. Mm. Okay. All right. So, um, I mean, UCC campus, the, the strike is, is still ongoing. But if I'm someone who doesn't know the University of Cape Coast campus, if I come there, what work do, do you tell members do? Tell members, we are the union staff of the, all the public universities. Mm. Some of the designations are hall assistants, conservancy laborers, sanitary laborers, carpenters, the artisans in general. Mm. Okay. Just so that that's collection, of, collection of garbage, cleaning of the halls, washrooms, cleaning of pavement and everything, hospital staff, the junior ranks in the hospitals in, and other departments are all junior staff, are all two members. Mm. All right. Let's see how uh, this will go. Grateful to you for joining us here. He is uh, the chairman of the uh, Tewu UCC chapter. Uh, that He is the one we've been speaking to. This is still the pause here on the Joy News channel. Now, two other stories. Flag bearer of the National Democratic Congress, John Dramani Mahama, says the restoration of peace to Boko will be a priority if successful in the upcoming elections. Now, he says heightened tension at the area is unfortunate, especially after some calm was assured. Mr. Mahama was speaking at the Upper East Regional House of Chiefs, and he has committed to the restoration of peace in the area. Naraya Ojima has more in the following report. It's the chieftaincy crisis which uh, our president talked about. And um, I think that it's unfortunate that this crisis has reared its head again. At the time we were in office, we had virtually calmed things. Boku was a thriving community again. People were going about their business without... Uh, uh, uh. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Fear of being harmed. Unfortunately, now you cannot roam freely in Boko. Just recently I was reading, they have put the uh, ban on riding motorcycles again in the evening. 
and generally it's a period of insecurity for the people living in that area. In the night, buses are fired upon and people are killed. Sometimes when the buses are going from Boko down, they are waylaid on the Borga Tamale Highway and uh, some unknown people fire shots into the bus and injure people. These are things that we're going to make a priority when we come. We have done it before, we'll do it again. We will work hard to resolve the Boko crisis and bring peace back to Boko and surrounding areas. The second aspect of the insecurity is armed robbery. Armed robbery has become a major problem here. And it's affecting the economy of the Upper East region. You go to market days, you are coming back, armed robbers set on you, and they rob the people. We're going to mount a very strong fight against armed robbery. Because you cannot have economic progress. You can't, you can't have economic progress in, in, in a, an environment of insecurity. And so it's imperative that we make sure that our region is safe and secure so that people can go about their businesses without fear of being harmed or killed. Still the pause here on the journey channel. Let's uh, speak to our correspondent Nana Ajima, who's been traveling with the former president as he tours the country. Nana, uh, in the last week, you've been to the eastern and upper east regions. Bring us up to speed on the former president's engagement. Well, presently, the flag bearer of the National Democratic Congress, John Dramani Mahama, is in the upper east region. Today, he's focusing his tour on Bongatanga. So, so far, he's visited. Well, he's had two different interactions. First, he met, he met the Upper East Regional House of Chiefs, and from there, he held a town hall meeting within town. At the meeting with the um, with the Regional House of Chiefs, one issue that became very very relevant is the issues within Bokoda's chieftaincy disputes within Bokoda that has resulted in some tension within the area 
and it's one of the issues that was raised by the uh, the president in charge of the Upper East Regional House of Chiefs, mm. the China, uh, the China Park. Um, what, the, the, what he was saying is that, according to the chief, um, the issue has affected the livelihood of people within Boko. So he believes that there is need for the NDC led by John Dramani Mahama to ensure that he brings lasting peace to the area. In a response, the flag bearer of the NDC assured of his willingness to do that. And the flag bearer of John Mahama, of the NDC, and recounted how his government was able to ensure that there was peace within the mm. area mm. that his tenure before he left the he, he left power. So he also spoke about the, his willingness to ensure that um, armed robbery within the area is brought to its barest minimum. So there have been a lot of issues that were raised there. Um, the John Mahama, the, the John Mahama, also spoke about some. Um, some policies he intends to implement to ensure that there's transformation within the Upper East. He spoke about the aggregate potential of the area and the potential of the of the area to also to be industrialized based on the agriculture, mm. uh, based on based on aggregate. That is one of the mainstays of the economy within the area. He has been speaking about the Bualogu, um Dam, and what he's saying is that. The NDC intends to ensure that this this dam is refurbished and comes in to help serve the needs of the people within the area. These the town hall meetings that the um, the former president has been holding, and um, at these meetings, the people within the various communities are given the opportunity to have their say, which will feed into the NDC manifesto, and the the people have raised a lot of concerns. Very one that is very important has run through all of these conversations has been the need for jobs to be provided for the Italian youth of the area. John Gamani Mahama has been outlining some of the things that the NDC administration is willing to do to ensure that there's enough jobs opportunities for the youth. Also, concerning some of the universities that uh, have been renewed by the NPP administration or the Nanadadankwa Adwa administration, John Mahama said the NDC administration, if successful in staging a comeback, will ensure that these names are reversed. Rather, the people whose names have been put on, their, on these facilities will be named after halls and relevant buildings within the universities. So the John Mahama has promised to also ensure that all universities renamed by the present government, these names are reversed to its original names. And this is one of the things that the people cheered to. According to him, um, the NPP is not the only uh, political party with heroes. So there is need for these names to be reversed. And various the names of various heroes of the country be put or placed or, um, on various uh, um, buildings within the university. So these are things that the flag bearer of the NDC, John Dramani Mahama, has been emphasizing on as part of his tour of the Upper East region. Mm. Presently, he's still within Bogatanga, and he's holding another interaction mm. with the people here. And we'll continue to stay with him and listen to the issues that will be brought up in mm. this 
from uh, in this region as well. Mm. Now, the, the, once he is on this tour, there's been some, or there have been some national issues, and I've, I've heard him on the electoral side. When it comes to the VAT on electricity, has, has he mentioned anything? Has he said anything about it so far? So it's one of the issues that he has been particular about. Um, he believes that the NPP administration is excessively taxing the people, and rather government should focus on cutting government expenditure to ensure that there is enough resources mm. to develop the country that he believes will be better than government taxing businesses and individuals to build the country. He said that the NPP once promised to um, change the fortunes of the country mm. with industrialization. So he cannot fathom why the, 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 the president or the government is still relying on taxing to um, build this country. He says when he is voted into power, he will ensure that government expenditure is cut and invested into the right areas so that the money that is being spent on um, or the taxing, that um, excessive taxing of businesses will halt. Mm -hmm. What has been the general reaction of the people to, to his messages, uh, you know, trying to come back to lead the country? What has been their, their reaction to what the former president has been putting across? It's been very interesting in all the regions that so far we've been to. Even in the Ashanti region, the NDC flag bearer um, was surprised. That's what we are talking about, the stronghold of the NPP, mm -hmm. and an area where the NDC hasn't been very strong in elections. Uh, John Gaman Mahama was surprised by the people who were who called onto the streets of the Ashanti region, Kumasi to be specific, to support the NDC and also listen to the message that John Dramani Mahama had for them. Similar reception um, has been received throughout the areas or the regions that so far the NDC or the Building Ghana tour has been to. Upper East is no exception. Um, he was well received by the people driving through Bogatanga you realize that wherever he goes, there are a lot of people who join the convoy with their motorbikes and are excited to receive him. Um, uh, a lot of people speaking at these town hall meetings mm. have been emphasizing on their willingness to vote and also support John Mahama to return to power, especially to save the economy, which they believe is um, deteriorating. Mm. Mm. That, that, does it sort of give the impression that, in fact, the, this election is a done deal for the party even before the, the, the election date? So we don't know whether it's, it will be on 7 December or, or earlier. This, this is too early to call, especially where there has, when there haven't been any scientific basis for my argument. The people who have been meeting haven't been, you know, too much of a crowd to, you know, um, help in making prediction. He's been meeting small communities and people within, you know, small towns. So it's too early to predict if, um, based on the reception that he's been receiving, the NDC flag bearer will be successful in his quest or his bid to stage a comeback to power through um, the, 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 the election that will be held later this year. Mm. Interesting. Uh, uh, do we know where he'll be moving to from where he is now? Uh, he remained in the Upper East region. Um, unfortunately, I'm unable to give you the next stop, but I understand that 
from the meeting he has here. Uh, there will be a last meeting or a last engagement for today, and he will continue to be in the Upper East tomorrow. And from the Upper East region, he will still continue, or he will still be within the northern regions of the country. It's expected by uh, that on the 7th of um, this of, of, of February, he ends the tour of uh, the north and moves back to the Ashanti region for some few engagements. And um, the, the, the building Ghana tour is still on course. It's expected that the, the flag of the NDC will visit all regions of the country. So far, he has done a substantial amount, uh, but there are still a few more in the region to go. Mm. All right. Uh, I'm grateful to you for joining us here. He is uh, a man who is on that uh, particular beat with a former president who is touring the entire country. This is still the pause here on the Joy News channel. Now, some right. residents in Upper Wager, a community in Wajagbawe constituency, are lamenting over the poor state of their route. They tell Joy News that commercial transport operators have stopped working within their vicinity. Welcome back from the break. This is still the pause here on the Joy News channel. Now, Ghana's housing situation remains a blot on the conscience of authorities as the housing deficit continues to grow. Many can either not find a place to lay their heads for various reasons, or sometimes it's just not, you're not able to afford what is there. Affordability and avail availability is one challenge. Now, the situation is worse in urban centers of the country where demand for affordable housing has never been higher, but unfortunately, the supply is not keeping space. Today, we dive deep into the intricacies of this issue and explore potential solutions. In studio with us now is Ransford Amo. He is a development management consultant special for Special Gardens. And uh, they have been part of the Joining Habitat Fair, which took place in September last year. And before that, though, uh, let me paint the picture for you here in terms of, you know, the housing deficit we have in this country. So let, let me try to, you know, take you through how it is that today, you know, many people are not able to find, you know, a, a, a accommodation that is quite suitable for them. Now, look at this. In Ghana's housing deficit, our population of 19 years plus is around 16.5 million. Residential uh, structures that we do have are around 5.8 million. So for population 19 plus, so it means that we're not even bringing in those who are below 19. So 19 years and above, 16.5. And uh, our, our infrastructure, our housing available is around 5 million. Now, if we look at the 33% uh, reduction in 2021, in 2010, we had around 2.8 uh, when, when you were talking about housing deficit, then in 2010 it was 2.8. But in 2021, there, there, there was some improvement, though, from 2.8 to 1.8 million, you know. So that's, that's the gap that we now have to deal with. So this is from the Africa Housing uh, Finance. That's, that's where we are sourcing this from. So is affordability the problem or what it is? Now, the average price of houses in 2021 for a one-bedroom apartment, you have to cough between 99,000 cities and 136,000 cities. For a two-bedroom apartment, which would suit for someone like me with a family of, say, uh, five, two bedroom, 182,500 cities 
225,520. So that's the range for you to get a decent two-bedroom apartment. For three-bedroom apartment, that's uh, 335,000 and above. So that's that's the price range, you know, for, for, for you to get these. Now, we understand that 12.7% of all dwelling units in Ghana were vacant in 2021. 12.7% of all dwelling units in Ghana were vacant in 2021. So, question is, why were they vacant? Is it because of the money issue or what, what is it? Okay. So, th- this, this is what we do know, you know, about the housing issue in, in Ghana. And this our source is the Africa Housing Finance. That's where we're picking this from. I mean, the earlier one that paged the population against how, how much uh, in terms of I, I am housing that we had, that was from the Ghana Statistical Service. The rest is from the Africa Housing Finance. So this is the issue. 12.7% of dwelling units in 2021 were vacant. Okay. Hi, A.B. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. And you? I'm good. What possibly could come to mind when you see this, this uh, statistics that 127 were vacant? You have the houses, but people, people can't, you know, afford them. What's the issue? I think, I mean, very obvious, first mm. and foremost, is, is affordability, right? Okay. The money. Mm. Um, but based on what he said, it's like you're talking about two paradoxes, right? Mm-hmm. One is saying there's a deficit. Mm-hmm. The other is saying there's a lot that, you know, nobody's able to uh-huh. utilize. Yes. And that's because you're not matching demand and supply. Okay. So, in some cases, there's a lot of supply, so that's your 12.7. Mm-hmm. In other cases, there's a lot of demand, and that's our deficit. Mm. And the reasons for not matching is, is, is a number of them. Okay. But maybe you can focus on one or two, mm. which is first comes to price points. Okay. How much are these vacant homes costing? And if, let's say, somebody wants to rent it, can they afford to rent it? Then the second thing becomes, are they even really ready? There's a lot of structures you see in the country that looks ready, but they're not ready. They, they may not have all the right things to make it a safe home. Okay. So, so it looks like a vacant home, but it's not. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen a lot of uncompleted buildings in there. Mm-hmm. Those could be part of these statistics that okay. make it look that way. Okay. But the biggest challenge of all of it is basically also our own policies. What are our policies doing to make sure we can match this demand and supply in, in other parts of the world, which mm-hmm. is where sometimes I learned some of my trade and brought it here. When a developer is doing something, they can go to government and say, give me some tax reductions. And because of that, I'll put 10% of my development for this lower bracket. Mm. So there's a mixture. Okay. It's a high-end development, mm. but it still has some mid or low-end folks in there because you sell that as the slightly lower end of your development because you got some incentives from government. So if it's an urban area, other people can actually afford to live there because that particular set of homes, that 10% set of homes, mm. are slightly at price lower. Am I right to then... Think that those of you who are developing for people to buy are, are not targeting the market where probably demand exceeds supply. I, I wouldn't say we are not hmm. because there are different brackets. You have to look at the market to see what you want to do. Um, just like you know, there's a Toyota and there's a Maybach, hmm. right? So every developer looks at what they want to develop for. To be honest, um, most developers have looked into the affordable low-end market, which is where the real money is, because mm. the numbers are there. If you look at the 1.8 million housing deficit, that means there's roughly 1.8 million people ready to be in a home. Mm-hmm. So imagine you can take a share of that. Mm. That's huge um, if you can match their price point and if you can make profit out of it. 
right? Um, but there's also the challenge of the fact that you can't produce at that price point okay. because of other factors like taxes, like even cost of materials, land costs, land challenges. All those factors are there. So it becomes, I always, I've always said in most of my consulting gigs when I meet a lot of developers who kind of engage us to do is anybody who can break the barrier of trying to develop anything below $50,000 in a mass production probably could be a billionaire overnight mm. in Ghana because okay. that's where the people are, right? Um, but again, what's the realistic thing you're going to do to make that happen? Does it mean that you're building mad houses? Because if you look at the cost of everything, even the labor cost now is quite high. Mm. You can't easily get to that. But I'm not saying it's not possible. It's possible. Somebody's just got to figure out how to do it efficiently mm. and on a scale that will meet the demand that's out there. But probably you're looking at the the duration to break even and to start making profit. What if you spread that over a certain longer period, which of course could get you to say produce for or build in this case for the the, the low end market? Well if if you're in the private sector, I mean developments will come more or less per unit. Mm-hmm. So you can't say I'll build three hundred units and not make money before I build the next 300 units and make money. Okay. It's difficult to do that because a lot of things can change within the period. Right. Um, being in the industry for a while, just even looking at the currency, where 80% of the things you're buying are imported because you can't get the local demand for it. If you were planning exactly what you said probably two years ago and the exchange rate was 6, and today the exchange rate is 12, you can immediately tell that you're not going to make that happen. Mm right there, because that has just changed the dynamics all of a sudden. So if you look at it from a long-term perspective, it's mostly a per-unit cost perspective. Okay. So that house, single house I'm selling to you, am I making money off it? Mm. And if I can make money at that house, I can build more of those. Mm. So I can't say I'm going to build 300 homes just as a kind of entry period and not make money off those 300 homes. Mm. Then I hope to make money on the next 300 homes. Mm. That will become mm. a challenge. Mm. So in this market, it's a little bit different to think okay. of from that perspective. But, but we, we do understand per the statistics there that 12.7 of the houses that were available were vacant. Isn't that money going... Because, of course, okay, you are here. If the houses were vacant in 2020, and say they were vacant in 2022-2023, isn't the developer losing? So there are a number of things to that. I mean, this, this number has to be kind of delved into a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. right? So 12.7% vacant asset, is it owned by the developer or the developer has sold it? And the people that have bought it want to rent it or bought it as an investment and want to resell. Mm. And that's what has happened. So it depends. Now, also for the developer's perspective, if you're holding them, the question becomes if you have them as vacant, it's because you cannot sell. The fact that you cannot sell doesn't necessarily mean you should make a loss out of it because mm. it's still an asset. The nice thing about real estate is that everything you hold every time you're holding it's an asset. Right? And so if you're holding from 2021... To this date, most likely it has held as value, if you put it in dollar terms, okay. or it's a growing value, depending on what's happening in the area. Mm. So you can't just offload it just okay. like that because you're not getting the money again, because that means you're going to make a loss and you can't get the asset appreciation okay. value out of it. So it is a reason why you, you <laughs> hold it till it's sold. But again, it all depends on your development plan, mm. but ideally, yes, if you're in to make profit, mm. you have to look at it from that perspective. But, you can hold it to make it till you sell it. But how do we break? that jinx of trying to build for the low end. You, you've, you've said that whoever is able to do that will be a billionaire. But how do we do it? Because look, we've been having this discussion for a very long time. Yes, yes. The, the, the problem still persists. So why haven't we been able to break that, that code of trying to build for the low end people? I think it's a step-by-step process, and that's mm-hmm. why DASEV and maybe Special Gardens and that 
folks I've worked with are starting from someplace. Mm. Everything you have to start somewhere. When, when I, I came here with a different company before, about six, eight years ago, what we decided to look at is where can we make money in real estate, mm. right? Um, but there were U.S. investors, they needed to make sure they make money. We looked at various ways. You can go to the high-end area and make money immediately, right? Um, but there's also risk with the high-end. So, you know, um, more money, slightly more risk. Mm. You know? mm. There's also the mid-area and then there's the low-end. Mm. So we look at that and we look at the low-end. The low-end requires you to be a little bit more efficient. You have to kind of, it has to be a well-oiled machine mm. as a production team or as a developer to get it right, right? Okay. So if it costs you $20,000 or 20,000 cities or 200,000 cities to build this unit, can you replicate it? And what happens in six months if the price of wood changes or the price of your doors changes? Mm. How do you still maintain it? You can keep building it. Because if you bought a house next to me at 250,000 cities and the next person is buying it for 350, mm. it's a little bit tricky, right? Mm. Unless the whole area's value is appreciating next person. But I have, may have to sell the next one for 350 mm-hmm. because a few factors changed when I was building that one. Yeah. So how do we hold that value for a period is kind of the challenge. But I think overall... What we have to think about is this. Um, as a developer, if you keep going through the, the process mm. and you can make money out of it, then that could be the, the, the path forward for you mm. in general. Mm. Interesting. Um, because I, I, I've still not been able to understand why, but you've explained anyway. So, so how do we do it? By a collaboration between government and private sector. I think, can, can that happen? Can I think if you look at what's happening around the world, that's what's basically the best way out. Because mm. government can facilitate certain things that make things happen. When it comes to the private sector, what we can do is do the best possible. So if we are building, the reason why we went for mid-markets is because we look at numbers, we can do it a little bit more at scale, and we can make money. So Special Garden is one of the best developments right now that we are com- coming up with, and it's about 240 units at a pretty reasonable price. I won't call it affordable. I call it modestly priced, right? So that's where we are making our money. But assuming, let's say... Um, the cost of land mm-hmm. or the cost of infrastructure. One of the reasons why Special Gardens is good is that I've actually we are investing a lot in infrastructure. So covered drainages, you know, under, underground cables. Mm-hmm. So all our electric poles, everything is underground, right? If I look at my infrastructure cost, it's a huge percentage of the overall cost of the development. How could I have made that gone down? If, for example, my transformer and need for that particular development can be provided by government through ECG at a certain price, I could have reduced my price by a certain percentage more. If, for example, when we secure the land, about 20 acres of land, government says, because we want this to be part of the community, we're going to do all the roads, infrastructure, everything for you. Mm. But this is also what we want out of that. That could have also reduced my, my cost mm. uh, per unit mm-hmm. significantly. Because okay. now I'm adding all of that to it. Somebody tells me, oh, but if I look at your price, I could take that money and build my own house at the cheaper mm. price. Mm-hmm. I say, yeah, but when you build your own house, you don't want to build drainage from here to here. Okay. I'm building drainage. I'm building roads. All those things are in. But if government could do that, that could help with that. So, yes, there's always the need for partnership. But government is also stretched, so you can't put it all on it. So we have to start from somewhere, and that's mm-hmm. why most developers are starting from either the high or the mid. A few are trying very well on the, on the low end of things, and they're also doing okay. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot to be, to be desired in that space. Mm-hmm. And whoever can break that jinx makes the money. And, and we are looking at that. We are heavily looking at it. We have to come strategically in terms of how we, we approach that. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's not about doing it and doing it haphazardly because... What's interesting is that even on the low end now, there's taste. People want something. <laughs> and you'd be surprised. Sometimes okay. the low end even mm. have more demands okay. than the mid or the high end. Mm. Right? And sometimes their demand is also realistic. It's just because 
every bit of time that takes away from what they have to go and try and earn mm. is too much for them. As a rich person, you can sometimes afford to send, spend a day to refix your house. Mm. As a rich man, you can't tell your boys that you're not coming to work today so because you are changing something in your house. Mm. So their demands are a little bit you know, more. And the average Ghanaian person now has a little bit more savviness in terms of what they're looking for in a home. Well, well but... I'm sure it is because of what you put in the house that makes it a bit expensive, isn't it? So, like the the sort of kitchen you put up for the person, the sort of um, you know chairs or furniture you you put in there. Why not take away all of that and and just build a structure? Let the low end person come buy it and then put you in your own furniture and all of that. Very interesting because we actually looked at that um, in terms of what we call shell or core and shell development. Mm-hmm. Again, the average Ghanaian also wants a good community to live in. We all need a safety. We need you need a place you can really call home. Mm-hmm. Now, that is still a path forward and still possible because what we need now is to make sure the supply is there for the person who buys it. Mm-hmm. So if I give you a shell, can I make sure you get the tiles that will fit? Can I make sure you get the right quality of doors, windows, and other things that would help you to move forward? And can it be at a price that would allow you to do it quickly? Because if I sell you a shell and you fix your shell and you are living in, and all the people around you are not fix their shell, and their weeds are growing because they can't move in. Then all of a sudden, it's not a community, right? Because mm. you move into that community. So when you leave part of the work on for somebody else to do it, then it's similar to those who are just building, you know, in various parts of Accra where they start and they stop, and others start and stop, and then all of a sudden, you have to protect yourself. But if you're trying to be in a well-planned community, that becomes slightly different. And I think what's going to need now is more well-planned communities. Mm. I think just the idea of everybody just building a, today you build here, tomorrow there's a church here, tomorrow there's this here, tomorrow yeah. there's that here, mm-hmm. tomorrow somebody decides to do a store here mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It doesn't make us look great overall in terms mm-hmm. of how we are developing real estate. So communities are necessary. And when communities are being planned, then we have to think of how do you actually unlock the community? How does the community become livable? Mm-hmm. And to be, look at all, the, all those factors, if you give somebody a shell, how long would it take them to finish? It's three years. That means that community is not livable for three years. Okay. And maybe somebody is ready to do the actual in three months. Mm. So how do you find the three months people? How do you put the three years people at the other phase and stuff like that? Mm. That overall plan is necessary to do it right. No, no, so so I, I was looking at the aesthetics. It's probably the, the, you know, what you can look at to complete so that the community looks like it's a complete one. Okay. But when it comes to the internal, internal parts, okay. where... You would give me a furniture, the kitchen, you put seven. For example, in my home now, I don't have this sort of, you know, I see, uh, forgive me, but from where I'm coming from, I'm coming from afar. So, <laughs> so you'd have to, but the, the sort of modern things that are in some kitchen now, I don't have it. Okay. So someone like me, I'm looking for, you give me the structure. Let me come in there and do what I can in terms of finishing. So maybe I will need just a two uh, in one f- uh, chair. Now. I have my TV there and, and all of that. What I need is a roof over my head. Why can't we look at it from that point so that you construct something like that and then the, the tenant or whoever is coming I mean, to buy or rent will then finish it and do the will, you know, to, to his taste and his, his pocket as well? Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's actually doable. So um, basically on the outside, everything looks almost complete. Yes, on the, the security at the door, but then the inside is... Uh, bare bones exactly. as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, I think some developers are doing that. To give credit to some folks, they are doing mm-hmm. that. Um, again, the market speaks, right? Mm-hmm. You may do that and not sell well because it's very difficult for people to envisage mm-hmm. what you sold them, right? If you give them that bare thing, they're thinking, hmm, how well might TV be? Where would this be? Even 
even almost finishing it without furniture, people sometimes can't envisage what things work for them. Mm. So depending on what price that would be, they'll be thinking, okay, now I have to spend all this money to do this, and this is not really a house. They'll look for other, other options. But to be honest, it's, it's a market that's out there, and depending on what price point you can put that at, that's something that people will be interested in. Mm. And if you are speaking about it and others are speaking about it, maybe that's a place we have to focus on next. Exactly, do. Because, <laughs> because you, have a, you have a lot of my kind. Okay. You know, okay. who would rather want a roof? Do it now that, that we can afford. We come and buy it. The rest will do it. Yes. Because, look, our wives would even say, okay, no problem. Let's put the mattress on the floor for now and, and stay in whilst we try to, you know. And, and because the, if you're looking at people who earn like I do, and, and even us, we are the middle class, isn't it? Yeah. And people below us. If you put up that option, I'm sure you get a million. And, and that's breaking the code. That's part of, of trying, the code. exactly, yeah. trying to get the uh, access to the 1.8 million people to buy the houses. And that's part of these conversations that help us to all think of it. Okay. Based on what you've just said, I mean, that's, that shows there's a market out there mm-hmm. for that possibility as well. I mean, there are other factors that has to be considered, you know, safety, how yeah. good, because if you're uh-huh. doing that, you're still com- controlling the community. Yeah. So if somebody puts in the wrong appliances and everything and something happens, happens. Okay. there's also a, a side to it. But we can write a code, we can write things and make some guidelines mm-hmm. for people to follow and let it, let it fly, kind of flow through in that, mm-hmm. in that regard. So th- there are a number uh, of ways. But to be honest, um, in the end, overall, if you look at it from an industry perspective, it's still a higher cost. Because if you're buying just one refrigerator and somebody's just buying one oven everybody's just buying one one within let's say even a community of 200 you're all going to buy at different prices and you have skill and kind of a leverage we would have as a developer to buy 200 of them mm. so in the end if you're looking at the quality the quality will buy and the price will buy when there being something similar to the lower quality you buy because you're buying a one mm. so would it help you as an individual yes would it help the industry as a whole grow faster? I'm not too sure yet. Okay. The data and the numbers will tell you, but there'll be, there'll be more need for some market research to see how that works out. Mm. Because I, I, I'm thinking about the 1.8 and what we can do to break it. And I think that what we can do to break it is probably just put the structure and leave the, the, the internal decorations and all of that to ourselves. Because you go and buy a very sophisticated kitchen material. Well, when I come in there, probably that's not what I need. I need my fridge and my cooker somewhere. And I'm, 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 I'm very okay, you know. Because the, the, the number of people who don't have accommodation is quite staggering. Yes, yes. And if we have some houses, and then the, the truth is that if you go to, you know, Chado and all that, and what have you, there are some structures there that, that have not been sold. Yes. Yes. So the money that went into building those ones, very sophisticated ones, could probably put up about four simple structures for people like me and my camera guys here. You know, for us, <laughs> you guys can buy more expensive. For, no, we can <laughs> buy expensive ones because even the bank is not willing to give you a loan that will help you buy the expense. So, so build for us. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the sort of conversation we should have as a country. Is that government is overburdened? So probably we cannot put everything on the on the government. Mm-hmm. But could you guys be creative enough to think about us as well? Yeah. You know, and, and so that we can have our structures to sleep in and then we can reduce this deficit. People sleep on the, uh, sleep on the street. Not because, probably it's because they, they can't afford the rent that I mean. But if I, if I buy a house which is quite cheap and I can give it to them for uh, maybe 100 cities a, a month, 
maybe you can reduce the number of people who are sleeping in kiosk and in the, on the street. That's, that's, that's true. Mm. That's true. There, there are a, a number of other factors to look at in relation to that mm. to make sure it happens. I mean, we have to look at the overall percentage cost of actually the finishing. Forget furniture. We hardly even sell homes with furniture these okay. days, right? Those are all things you call, you pay after the fact for. Mm. But for, let's talk about finishing itself, so mm. the actual tiling, you know, all the other things that go inside those. To be honest, if you're making the aesthetic on the outside look good, the inside, what's left, is also a big percentage of the cost. Mm. It's not really much of a big percentage of the cost. Um, per square meter, it could add up, but we have very efficient ways of making that a little bit more... Um, less costly. Mm. Um, but yes, appliances and stuff, even a few years ago, were not the main things that we supplied. Most of the times, you bought a home with those things a little bit empty. We just created some counter space and then we left the place open for you to kind of add it in, add it in there. Mm. I've looked at the data over, over the past years and it's, it's again, we end up getting more leverage to buy in bulk and make the cost per unit cheaper. cheaper. So we are probably better off adding that to folks to, to get them to buy it okay. because I want, my price points won't come down so much. I'll give you a very typical example. With our current developments, mm. uh, again, at Special Gardens, I have other developments across Accra, uh, Tema, and Kumasi as well that folks can look up to as well. Um, but if, for example, somebody comes and says, look, I have my own taste. I really want to have my own thing. I only like um, Maytag or... Um, some other type of brand, and that's all they want to use in there. So get all the things out for me and let us do. To be honest, when I do the calculations for them, it's not even worth it. But the most important thing is that I've already pre-ordered or plan to pre-order a big chunk of stuff. So if I remove one out of it, it doesn't change price that much. So in the end, we probably will charge them the same price, but tell them to bring their own finishing items. Mm. So if I think of it from that data perspective, so far as you're letting the outside look pretty okay and good, and if the outside has to look pretty okay and good, that means all the other things has to be done in terms of all the first and second fixes, all the other things that have to be done, the piping, wiring, all those things have to be done if, mm. if you're trying to make all the other things look good overall. So if we are giving you just, let's say, screwed up floors only, um, no appliances and all that stuff, I don't think the percentage will hit oh, a big number. Oh, okay. So it won't necessarily reduce your price that much. So how, how, can, we, how can we then do it? I, I think it's going to be a partnership between government and developers, and it's going to require... Government not being a partner by trying to dictate, but being a partner by listening hard. And I'm not saying listening to developers, because frankly, developers don't have all the answers. It's the consumers that have the answers. I'm a very consumer-centric consultant in terms of how I do it. I look at things from what the consumers are thinking. What would make somebody pay money for something? And how much do they have to pay for that thing, right? We have to create value for every bracket of the, of the industry in general and of the consumers in general in terms of what it is. So on the very low end of things, you're looking at majority probably government workers, and people below a certain salary bracket. What are their needs? That will require us to make a look at more, shall I say, more tight type of facilities, right? Mm-hmm. Where even if it's really nicely done, it has shared common facilities like shared baths and all the stuff, if necessary. But depending on location, depending on how much that location is expensive in terms of land and all that stuff, it may be necessary for that. Mm-hmm. And to your point, that somebody just wants a good place to lay their head and move forward versus sleeping on the streets or in their cars, which is happening in Ghana, mm-hmm. surprisingly. Mm. Right. So it will be about looking at what are the consumers looking for and what will make them pay for something. And then if they are paying at that price, what can government, the private sector, and developers come together to see how do we reduce that cost mm. so that we can meet, we can get to that bottom line. It'll also be about efficiencies, right? Is block work the most efficient way of building? We have to continue that way. Mm. And should we do something different? 
those are all the technologies building the things we have to look at okay. and see what we can do. It's a prefab homes that we have to look at. Mm. Those are all things that a lot of developers are trying. People are trying to see how that's, whether that could change the dynamics. Mm. And we have to keep trying. The answer is there. Well, uh, I mean, so some time ago last year, government launched a certain project that they were looking for uh, private investors. To, the government was partnering them to invest into a housing scheme in one of these communities around Accra. Um, and I think this is this is the way they were they were going going about it. But the how I mean, how much would that reduce it to make it even affordable to the low? Because I'm looking at the low end because these are where the numbers are. These are where a lot of people are struggling to 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 get accommodation in the in the urban areas. Yes, uh, look, I haven't thought about this thoroughly for a while. Mm. I think it's going to be a mixture of both. Again, the low end gives you a certain margin. Mm. And no, but not everybody will go to that end. Mm. It requires, like I said, a very, very well oil machine in terms of how to produce. Mm. We have to look at even the data in terms of how we produce. Mm. We have to look at the process in terms of how we produce. The project management processes. To be honest, nothing against any university per se, but most of our trained building technology folks, construction majors, all those people, you hardly see them on sites. Okay, where are they? In the office. <laughs> in the office, in the air condition. Mm. Purely on sites. If you if you try and go to the site and tell, you know, the architects, the like well trained folks to be on site and watch what a mason is doing, he'll be there for like an hour and he's gone. Mm. Max. So who's the, who's actually the one doing the job? Oh, okay. The one doing the job is the folks we call up the streets come and do masonry and stuff. So we need those graduates on the field. Is that what you're we saying? We need them on the field because that's where you learn the efficiencies. Okay. That's where you learn the things we can stop doing in the in the wrong way and find to do it in the right way. There's nothing that you keep watching and trying to figure a way to do better that you won't find a way to do mm. it better, right? So we need that practical experience. I frankly, in the developed world or other parts of the world, person who's probably learning blogs could have a degree okay. or a master's. Is that what will help us in reducing the cost? Not overall. It's a, it's a number of factors, but we have to look at each one of them, mm. right? And this is one of the issues in terms of how we're being efficient in the production okay. of homes. Because if you can produce something faster, better, and cheaper, then can you duplicate it oh. or 200-fold okay. to get to the numbers you're talking about? Okay. Who can lay down the processes and tell us this is the best way to lay blocks? I'm giving you a very typical example. By having just simple things like wiring. What is our standard and best way to wire? How is our code being adhered to when it comes to other things? Right? Mm. Those are all things we have to think about. If we can just make that blueprint easy, then as soon as you are getting it, the next person is looking at it, they add a new thing, everybody adds a new thing, and we are going from there. But we can't expect people who haven't gone to school and haven't learned all these things well, who are just trying to also make it day by day, when we teach them to do this, we can't expect all of them to be able to give us the efficiencies. Mm. They won't mm. give us the efficiencies all the time. So like what we are, we are watching on the screen now, you know, you have a good bathtub, and, uh, you know, goes with good kitchen furniture and all of that. I mean, uh, that's what I was arguing. But, but you said it won't really reduce it that much, you know, in terms of how... how but I, I, I get your point that if we limit, say, how much we use cement, for example, right. because the supervisor is not missing take cement elsewhere... The block is done such a way we have to break a certain structure because we didn't do it well. We have to rework it. All of that comes into costing how much right. the unit is, is, is right. sold for. So right. it means that if we're able to 
reduce some of these inefficiencies. That's extremely It will bring the cost down. Correct. Okay. It will bring the cost down, plus it will make the conversation better. Because mm. every time we do the numbers, when we get on the ground and do it, it doesn't match. Mm. Why does it match? Because what's on the ground doesn't really match to what we put the numbers together. Because it's not efficient on the ground. Okay. And we don't even document the process as well. Mm. Right? How to follow project schedules. How to make sure we're doing... Most of the time these days, when it rains, no action is happening on sites. Mm. And we have a quite a number of months of rains. So if your plan is like you have to plan from January to mm-hmm. May and June, by June you have to relax until August, September before you. What's happening that break, right? Because workers are not coming. We haven't figured ways in terms of how to make sure during that rainy period was the best time to do it. Have you studied the, the SNIT model? The SNIT? Yeah, where they were building houses, and I think they rent them out to people or even sell. But, but that's quite uh, affordable. Yes, but SNIT is government, indirectly, right? It's quasi government. Mm. And of course, they have our, our money. Yeah. So that's more capitalization. Mm. And everything that's more capitalized can find better ways of doing things. So could we encourage more of that? We could encourage more of SNITs. We could encourage more of And we should encourage more of SNIT. They have to do the numbers and see whether it's working for them. I think the biggest issues, from what I remember, is, is basically when they are selling, really, what happens next? Who are the ones that buy? And, mm. and our price and then yeah. whether resales come in and all yeah. that stuff. Mm. So, but, but the SNAP model is great. And, and that's actually a proper government, private sector-minded way of doing things, right? And, and that's mass housing in terms of trying to fix things from a bigger scale of things. Um, I grew up in a SNAP flat in Adenta. Mm. So I appreciated that because that, that moved us from, um, well, we thought in North Carolina, we thought it was good, but it moved us to... Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder. La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Where my family felt that we had a home, okay. and it's our home, right? Mm. And grew up on it. And relatively, in terms of that, that became a start of life in terms of it. But the biggest part of what made SNIT, I think, work was the infrastructure. Okay. They dealt with the infrastructure, mm. and they worked it out very well. So then we came in. So when we moved to SNIT in the dentist, the roads were all tired. Okay. That is when I covered that. He's aware that is. So there was no flooding issues and everything. Mm-hmm. So we felt comfortable in terms of living in. There was no water then anyway, but now there's water. Mm-hmm. But they, they kind of worked around it. So, yeah. yes, the SNAP model works. That's a proper government, you know, private sector minded way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the capitalization was there. Mm-hmm. Now they have to look to see are we making money out of it and is it working well? And, and, that, that's, and actually, SNAP does similar things in Botima where the inside is basically nothing. Yeah, so exactly what he said. You, you you come in there and right. and and and, fill and finish and yeah. finish all that stuff mm-hmm. and works mm-hmm. out. But just like you are saying, if SNIT is doing it, I'm sure if it could work on the private sector and it could make money as much as possible, mm. the private sector would have been also doing it as much. Oh. Maybe they could. Maybe we SNIT has to teach us a few things where we we learn from that <laughs> and and do it as well to make money. Because SNIT is supposed to make money for us anyway with with all of that. I don't know mm. if that's happening. Okay. See. Yeah. Well. Um, quite, quite interesting. Uh, the conversation is around about uh, Ghana's housing situation now and what we need to do to find that solution. We need to break that code. Yeah. And, but, 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 I mean, SNED did it. Are we saying some that? Of it. Not all of it, but SNED did some, yes. Uh, it was not as low as we need to be in some cases. Okay. Yes, but SNED did it. Okay. Um, if you look at... And I could be wrong here. If you look at some of the things that happened with SNITs, um, not the puppets always never went to those who really needed it. Mm. Went to the directors and the big senior people. They of were buying it and reselling. Correct. And even renting. Correct. So, so what it means is that, well, SNIT can do it, but we also have to look at the 
um, selling? Who are the or the beneficiaries? Even today, state housing. Sometimes I'm, I'm asking myself, okay, so who are the people buying the state housing, uh, the, the houses? But can't we also develop a system where, for example, you you buy a one plot, maybe say 90 by 80, and on that plot you could have about five chamber and halls, very, I mean, modest. Mm. And, and you sell that, if I want to buy, I'll come there because it's, it's, I'm sure it will be very, very affordable. I could buy that without looking at whether I'm, I'm, I'm the owner of the land. I own a house, yeah. and that's my house. Can't we also look at that as well? To be honest, that's about 80% of the market. You see, when developers, I, I have worked with a lot of developers, and I realize that... You mean that's 80% of the current market? Of developers, of developments, yes. Today? Yes. I mean, you have yes. one plot, and you have about, about five of that on it. Yes. Well, we have individuals trying to build on various plots. Okay. Either to sell off for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or to rent out. That's okay. a lot of the markets. You know what I mean? We don't have... Does that give you the efficiencies? I don't know. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But we don't have a situation... We have a lot of situation where with developers, we are not really competing against each other. Because mm-hmm. when you go to the market and see what the real challenge is, it's about individuals building themselves. Mm-hmm. And then building maybe an extra one to sell. And mm-hmm. Their price points are lower. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they don't use... Overheads that a developer would have. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's already happening in, 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 in a sense. In a on an individual basis. Yes. But I'm looking at you, the companies that can build a lot of units. So, for example, yes, you, a company like you, buy a plot, and on the plot, instead of having just a house, you have about five or so that's six exactly what simple structures. That's exactly what we do. So I'll, I'll say, I mean, go to specialhomesltd.com um, or call us at 0201381234 and see what we are doing there. We are building structures from a gated plan community where if you look at the plots, so for example, most of our units are 22 by 70 okay. in terms of plot size. Mm-hmm. 22 by 70. So if you think of it from a plot, we are building about four or five units on it. So we're building a town concept, so they are attached terrace homes. Mm. And then we're doing seven detached as well. The demand, though, for those who may have a little bit more money is mostly on the detached side. Mm-hmm. They just want a, a house on their own. We call it compound house. I don't know why mm-hmm. we've always said it that way, and that's it. Onankasani <laughs> <laughs> compound. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a word, right? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, so for some reason, we want that. We're still very traditional. But it's changing. To be honest, it's changing. I mean, mm. a few years ago, or probably 10 years ago, everybody wants to build a big five-bedroom house. Mm. Now people are thinking twice yeah. about that, right? But we still want compound. We still want mm. our own stuff. And there was a big challenge breaking through the town home concepts, which is basically, you know, one plot of land having six to seven units on it, all kind of attached, limited, you know, land in front of your house with some parking mm. and everything like that. Mm. But I think that's the future because, number one, it helps you with a lot of security and allows us to do more. And the biggest challenge we have as well is our use of, our use of land per acre, mm. right? We are mm. trying to build as much as possible per mm-hmm. acre. Mm-hmm. From a development planning, what we're doing at Special Gardens and other developments I'm part of, we are actually building about 17 units per acre. Mm, mm. So that's significant. That's because in the U.S. is between 12 to 17. So we are, we are basically there okay. in terms of what we are doing. Um, 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 how, how, much, how much is a unit? <laughs> so our units actually start depending on what you're looking at from about 1.2 million Ghana cities. Ah, that's way above, above our, our residents still. Well, so we are mid-markets. I like to admit that from the word go. We okay. are mid-market. We're looking for, you know, middle. Even when I say mid-market, it's not middle income. From mm-hmm. a big Ghana perspective, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of the middle of the market, right? Because even middle income is a little bit below that yeah. in terms of those who earn the stuff. But we are mid-market. But we are also a source of um, 
changing, we're sort of kind of the initial part of changing the market in terms of letting people understand that you don't have to always live in one big house mm -hmm. on your own. Mm -hmm. You don't always have to have it just a compound house. And that trend is happening. Mm -hmm. So your approach has always been to do it from the bottom up, which is kind of the best and easiest way to do it. Okay. Sometimes some of us are thinking of doing it from the middle down mm -hmm. and how do we kind of push it down. Mm -hmm. We're at the top. A lot of people are already at the top and they're making their money, but mm -hmm. we are trying to look at it from the middle down okay. in terms of making the change. Yes. Okay. So will it be very difficult for you to decide, that, okay, I mean, we are getting there. Let's come down a bit and probably build very simple, simple structures for, for some of us to, to come and buy. No, so, very simple structure of this is my chamber, this is my hall. I have my washroom and some Easter. prayer, something. Not too big. Yes. Something that we can afford and call our home. Yes. To maybe like to start off. That, that would actually go back to a, similar to a slate model. Mm -hmm. Because if I do that just on a piece of land, I'm wasting the land. Because per units, per acre, is not good enough. Mm. So you talked about the one pro 90 by 100. Mm. And I do exactly what you're saying. I may be able to put eight on it. Depending on where the land is, I've wasted the land a bit. But, but imagine if you're, I go... You're, you're going up anyway. But so is that so some... Those yes. simple so, so, that's exactly, so if we go up, mm -hmm. it normally goes up four levels because they want to put mm -hmm. elevators. Mm -hmm. What can we do about incentivizing elevators and making elevators duty-free so that people can then do more elevators? Mm -hmm. And then we can go and add elevators and go all the way to six or eight. And then from there, we go even higher. Of course, it will require more structural work and people to think beyond just building a rare regular four-level stuff. But if you can put all the right people in place and go further up, then that's, that becomes proper mass housing. Mm. And that's necessary. That's mm. kind of the future in terms of what we're doing. And we're looking at that strongly okay. in terms of, okay, which areas can we do that at? Mm. You know? um, unfortunately, everything starts in Accra somehow, so we are here. <laughs> <laughs> but but and whether that's fortunate or unfortunate anyway, but it is, it is what it is in terms of can we do that from a, a different section in a different part of Accra as well and would people want to live in a flat? Mm. And what I'm gathering, when people are out of a crowd, nobody will even think of a flat anymore. Mm. <laughs> you know, so we have to change our mindsets as well. But to be honest, it's all about incentives. What are the incentives that will make the developers do more of these? What are the partnerships that are able to be created to make it happen? Um, I get bothered when government wants to do affordable housing and wants to be in the housing market on their own when they don't have the experience as much as it. And, and well, from a lot of the affordable housing things that have been done, we know a lot of them that are just sitting idle. Mm. Um, so the question becomes, why does it always have to be government, right? Um, though they have a kind of SNED that has done it and has some knowledge around it, mm -hmm. we have to look at it from a point of view of how do we partner with other folks to let them do what they are doing by giving mm -hmm. incentives to do the rest. I talked about the, um, I call it MDPs, marginally priced dwelling units. Mm -hmm. So if you look at that, again, 20 acres, I'm building a whole development of 240 homes. If I give you 20% of that, that's about yeah, the 40 homes. If government can give us an incentive such that, let's say, if you're able to provide 40 of these homes at a price point, mm. half the price you provide your non-regular home, so instead of my 1.2 million, where it starts from, should I provide that at, let's say, 700,000 or 800,000? Based on that incentive, I get two years tax holidays. Okay. Or I get to bring anything I want to bring in free mm. for that period, if I can provide at that point. And we have structures in place through other governments or other ways where we note who's buying that and at what price. When you buy those homes, you can't just resell. Mm. If you're going to resell, it has to go back to somebody within the same bracket of what okay. you sold it for. But what helps with me as a developer is that then I get a community that's mixed well. Mm. So if I need a babysitter, if somebody in my community needs a babysitter, there's this guy who works that's yeah. a little bit low, and yeah. we might be a babysitter. Mm -hmm. But if you're all high class and you're living there, <laughs> now I'm having some type of babysitter in my yeah. that I don't want. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm. Because they're not around mm. the same, mm. you know. Uh, mm. Yeah. I wouldn't but, but you see, the, the only problem is that when usually we do say that when government gives businessmen or business people the incentives 
it doesn't trickle down to the ordinary Ghanaian who's the auto, who should be the ultimate beneficiary. The businessman is interested in maximizing profit. So when that leeway or the room is given, he keeps it to him, him or herself. And that's why it's difficult for, for some, some of these, these things to, to be granted. Well, if you give me a blanket mm -hmm. incentive mm -hmm. as a businessman, unfortunately, I have to look at it from where it maximizes maximize profit. Okay. That's why I talk about this particular scheme, which is not blankets. Okay. It specifies right. what you have to do. Okay. So okay. you're gonna go, you're gonna list those forty units mm. for me. Mm. You're gonna tell me the price you're gonna sell it for. Okay. And I'm gonna give you a pool of people you're gonna sell to. Okay. And the rules are there in terms of we give people sublease and let's see. Let, that that would be interesting. So let's see how that goes. But you mentioned a number. We didn't get it well. If you, can take, zero. It, if you can take your time and then yes. you get it. Yeah. That, that reached mostly directly to me and my team. But okay. that gives us a chance to be able to talk to folks who want to buy homes. Mm -hmm. That's what I call modestly priced homes. Okay. Know, and and developments in general that we are part of. Okay. Um, zero two zero mm -hmm. one three eight. One two three four. That's zero two zero one three eight one two three four. It's as easy as one two three four. So remember that one two three four. And it's zero two zero one three eight one two three four. Okay. This is the name of our developments. Um, you can visit us at dialsafegroup.com or visit specialhomesltd.com. That's specialhomeslimited.com to see one of our main developments that we're thinking to make a change in terms mm -hmm. of it. All right. We're just not building homes. We are also looking at the community infrastructure, okay. features, other things that would help. Maybe it's been, it's been good having you. Pleasure. I, I pray that we do have more of this conversation. Definitely. So, definitely. Right. Let's see where, where this takes us. Grateful. Thank well, you. Well, this is all the polls here. Now, we began our story from, you know, the news conference by the Trades Union Congress, who had declared that on the 13th of February, they will organize various demonstrations across the country if government fails to do something or withdraw entirely the imposition of 15% VAT on electricity consumption. Let's now listen to the, uh, uh, the chairman of TUC, Dr. Barr, speaking at this news conference. We discussed it extensively, and we said government must withdraw that directive that they have sent to ECG and NETCO. I want the press to note that it's NETCO, not GRICO. Because I saw in the reports, uh, Greco, we, we demanded that government should immediately withdraw that letter directing ECG and NETCO to implement VAT on consumption of electricity for residential consumers. And then we said we will not pay it today and we will not pay it tomorrow. Now, we gave an ultimatum of 31st January, which elapsed on today's, on Wednesday. We gave that ultimatum to government to withdraw that letter. As we speak today, today is second, we have not seen any letter withdrawing that directive. In between the time we issued this statement and now, ECG itself has come out to say that they are not ready to even implement this kind of uh, VAT. But that's not our matter. It's between them and their government. This afternoon we met to... In, in that statement, we said if by 31st, government had not withdrawn this um, directive to ECG and NEPCO, we will meet here and we will advise ourselves. So this afternoon, we have met here and we have advised ourselves. It is that advice that we are going to communicate to the press. Our advice is very simple. 
we have advised ourselves that this government is taking Ghanaians for granted. And so we are going to lead a very massive demonstration in all the regional capitals, the 60 regional capitals of Ghana on the 13th of February. That will be Tuesday. That is uh, this Tuesday's week. We have taken this decision firmly and we have appointed a committee to plan it. We have also taken a decision that the only reason why we will not embark on that demonstration is when government withdraws and that we are not in any position to have any discussion on anything. If government doesn't want us to demonstrate against it, they should do what? Well, so let's see how this uh, goes about on the 13th of February, if government does nothing about it. But I'm grateful to you for uh, spending your time with us here on The Pulse. There's more on myjoyonline.com. My name is Samuel Kojo Brace. On behalf of the team, please do have a pleasant evening.